Hello, hello. Welcome to the Strategy of Finance podcast, where we celebrate the profession and the professionals in the world of finance. These unsung heroes mostly remain away from limelight, but contribute tremendously towards company building. We endeavor to unpack their journeys to understand what moves them, get inspired by their triumphs, learn from their experiences, and most of all, connect with them at a personal level. I'm your host, Rohit Agarwal, and besides this podcast, my full-time duties include building Creo, the unified operating system for corporate spend. We are bringing together the whole journey of spend so you can buy, pay, and manage all your corporate spends from one single platform. Do check us out at www.krayo.io. Without further ado, let's tune in to learn, grow, and inspire. Our special guest for the show today is Venkatesh Tarakkad, the CFO of DealShare. With qualifications like Chartered Accountancy, ICWAI, and CISA, Venkatesh is a seasoned CFO with experience of over 25 years in building and scaling businesses, bringing efficiencies, managing funding rounds and acquisitions, as well as taking companies public. Venkatesh has deep sector expertise in retail, FMCG, and e-commerce areas, having led finance functions at Ecom Express, TCNS Clothing, Metro Cash and Carry, and Lots Wholesale, as well as having prior associations with companies like Ernst & Young and Coca-Cola. He joined DealShare in March of 2022 to make it the retailer of choice for India's mass consumers. Thank you, Tish. Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time, and we are glad to have you here. I'm happy to be here, Rohit. Thanks for inviting me. Perfect. Uh, so let's dive in. Tell me, Venkatesh, how did you make your way into this amazing world of finance and became the CFO of DealShare? Okay, to begin with, um, I must say my journey into finance was uh, accidental, actually. So my original plan was to be an engineer. After grade 12, I had even taken admission in engineering college. And I happened to be in Pune. There's a road called Law College Road going in a one direction. A fellow classmate of mine was going the other direction. I asked him where he was going. He said he was going to symbiosis. He he had much better academic uh, records than me. So I asked him why symbiosis. Hmm. He said amazing extracurricular activities plus sports. I was My background <laughs> is actually I was more into sports rather than academics. Hmm. So I turned my cycle around, went to symbiosis, got my BCom form and <laughs> that's how it happened. So it was not planned. I am very impressed with kids nowadays who have a much clearer plan of what they want to get in. But once I did into BCom, then I realized, okay, just a BCom degree would not be enough. And frankly speaking, our undergraduate courses don't offer too much of a challenge. Yeah. So along with BCom, I started my ICWA. So I wanted to finish my ICWA along with BCom. Since I took up my ICWA, I realized along with the other activities, I would not have enough time to prepare for an MBA. So mm. what I did is I decided to do a CA post my BCom. Those were the days when the foundation course had not yet started actually it was supposed to start subsequently so i did my i started my ICW with my bcom and then i did my uh, ca post that i have been fortunate to have got good exposure in some of the organizations i have worked that those led to me becoming a cfo i also was fortunate uh, that i have uh, always been in a startup environment actually so if you look my first 23 years were ey coca-cola and metro cash and carry all large names right. but i always joined them strangely at a startup environment so ey i was the first employee of ey in pune so along with the partner hmm. I had to do business development even though i was very fresh I had to do the accounts of the firm itself 
you know all the stuff gain uh, business so it, it it helped set up an office for example then subsequently i moved to kokola which incidentally was one of our clients actually so the client asked and i wanted to move to the other side and i moved that side mm-hmm. kokola also among the first five employees in kokola pune so kokola was acquiring different bottling units etc and then was setting up teams for those so joined as part of a really good nice core uh, incidentally i joined along with harsh butani who is the right now the cfo of kokola india southeast asia etc so two of us joined together we spent nights putting mm. in tally trial balance and all that so you know uh, it was phenomenal we had a lot of challenges kokola was going through a very tumultuous time so that helped me gain a lot of experience why i am mentioning specifically kokola is i went into the business side quite early there so mm. we used to run our they used to run routes you know city wise routes which yeah. the bottling units directly manage i was stationed at the depot one of the depots and got into managing the depots so basically an early exposure into supply chain what i thankfully realized very early was that getting deep insight into the on ground business gives you better understanding of what uh, the, as a finance professional i could contribute so that was a fantastic experience for me i was actually working like almost like an asm to get the uh, deliverables in this combination of finance and on the ground sales exposure gave me another opportunity within coca-cola that is to be the functional lead for a sales and distribution system which coca cola wanted to develop across the uh, country you know mm. so the all these things helped me get me lot of perspectives in the beginning then what happened was coca cola was doing very good and out of the blue i got a call from the cfo of metro cash and carry asking whether i would like to join he got my reference from one of my bosses in coca cola mm. uh, who used to be his colleague and i had not heard of metro when he said metro those days i first thing which struck me was uh, metro theater in bombay then the metro yeah. shoes then the metro in kolkata <laughs> so i did some uh, research but uh, a meeting with manoj and harsh badur who was the first, going to be the first ceo convinced me and i joined and i think it was a great decision for me because um, see kokola was just uh, a small fish in a large pond right. there were incredibly talented people already in finance in kokola for me to rise up get additional opportunity over them uh, would have been slightly more difficult i'm not saying i didn't get the opportunities but could have been but mm. co- in metro i got the opportunity to start fresh and again here what i did was uh, i didn't start in accounting actually i started with putting in the processes we used to call them working instructions or basically sops so mm. develop all the sops retail was new in india then what metro cash and carry was ground breaking in that sense you know setting up organized retail we have to educate suppliers we have to educate customers we had gone a very organized customer acquisition drive etc so what my job was to put in all the working processes on the ground so about first year and a half i was involved in doing that setting up business working on the ground training cashiers training customer acquisition staff etc and we were working on tally you know so right. then went into the implementation of sap to as you scale up etc so all these helped me get deep knowledge about how businesses are run and it helped me on the finance side also typically for finance professionals what happens is there are two main sub functions which one can lead is either the fpnda or business finance role right. or the accounting or or the finance controllership role sure. see one has to be extremely strong in one of them at least mm-hmm. then there are of course things like tax and treasury <coughs> and all that which can be subsumed in one of these also i have always been on the business finance side uh, with a reasonably good exposure in the accounting part 
Uh, right. That's how I developed. So Metro, that helped me get set the base, setting up the MIS platform, setting up the budgeting process, etc. It sounds fancy. A lot of time, this is all on Excel, you know. Yeah. Uh, still, I believe Excel continues to be the ERP of choice for many people. <laughs> so except for <laughs> database management, I think Excel works. So we did all that. But the whole point is to get the process and thought behind. So in this journey, if you see, it's basically getting much more information about business. Being mm-hmm. par- part of decision making. So right from the beginning, what has happened because I've been in planning, budgeting, on the ground, etc. Right. I have been having exposure to the general managers, the chief operating officers, the CEOs, being part of the meeting, etc. Even as a very junior flunky, I'm just keying in the numbers, putting the numbers. You get a lot of inputs because these are very experienced people, very sharp, capable people. So this exposure... I think it's necessary for anybody to get those in- inputs. You could be a pure technical CFO or you have right. to decide whether you want to add value to the business. So this helped me, whether intentional or not, this this helped me. Also the willingness to take some risks uh, like moving from Coca-Cola to Metro. So this helped me quite a lot. And uh, one turning point happened was um, we went through some tough times in Metro. During mm-hmm. one of those times, uh, what we decided as the business finance team is to focus on automating and trying to make dashboards in a much more meaningful way. So we worked on a business objects solution. I must say my team members were more uh, important in that. My, my role was to guide them, make sure decision is needed, give them the framework, etc. But... Uh, on one of the group CFO's visits to India, mm. we showed him that and he was pretty impressed with what is happening. So he invited me for a, what you could say, it's a, more like an evaluation process in the group. I did reasonably well in that. So I was given the opportunity to go to our group company in uh, Dusseldorf. Now, sure. that again is another aspect which helped me grow as a CFO. Because from an, of course, we were at a headquarters always, this India-specific headquarters. But right. going to a group which is 50 years, having 15 years experience and looking at how they manage things with relatively limited data but looking at trends across different geographies was a eye-opener for me. So that helped me to think of what what is it that eventually shareholders etc would be looking at you know in what happens at a really group corporate level is you don't go extremely deep into one topic but you go very broad you know Mm. you go you take a few kpis and you spread them out and then you go broad and look at trends you have to look at trends you know so while it is a very mathematical exercise has to be the base there is also some intuition in terms of looking at the trends and seeing what will happen you have to look at the future uh, see what you want to be two years down the line five years down the line all this is not possible to even now with AI, etc. coming in is not necessarily the easiest thing. Those days it was even more difficult. Correct. So going to the group level helped me. I realized that a few hundred crores get lost in the consolidation because we used to report in, uh, yeah, we used to report in uh, billion euros at the group level. Right. And uh, Metro, Cash and Car- Metro, a group, was 42nd on the Fortune 500 list. So it was not a small company. It was a huge company, you know. Oh, yeah. so I realized the scale, materiality, importance of processes to drive, etc. So all these helped me in my journey. And then basis my interaction with the group there, etc. I got my first opportunity as CFO in one of the uh, metro subsidiaries. So that was my journey to as to become a CFO. The whole process has been about getting deep, putting in a lot of hard work. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of uh, brilliant colleagues who are significantly more productive than me for but for me, I realized I need to put in a quite a lot of extra efforts. Sometimes going, I mean, quite a lot of times going out of the way to learn right. things. So I think those are the things which uh, helped me on my journey to become a CFO. 
Very interesting. I think especially with your background in terms of, uh, you know, doing ICWA, which is more of a, you know, cost accounting focused course, and then the chartered accountancy, which traditionally would pave the path to be a controller, as you define sort of, you know, finance controller versus the business FP&A lead, the two different segments of finance. Uh, it was interesting that kind of your your career moved more on the, on the business finance side. And I'm sure that took sort of specific steps by you to be able to take those risks and, you know, put yourself in those positions to be able to uh, be part of those conversations it also helps to evolve oneself as a professional so i'll give an example so whether it was in ey coca-cola or then metro i was involved in a lot of process and system designs and um, a lot of implementations erp implementations through my career hmm. in metro what i realized is when i was doing the percent we were about to go into i realized my knowledge level is not good enough so i studied for to become a information system auditor so csa is an american certification right. So that also helped me, you know, fundamental things. Those, I mean, nowadays the terminology is different. It's much easier, etc., etc. But those days, if somebody said TCP IP, I would be wondering what is it. You know? mm. So all the all these things, you know, basic also things like when you are developing systems, what is the system development life cycle? All those to understand. So that's how I gave an exam after I joined Metro Cash and Carry. So these things also help professionals to get stay abreast. So if you do it as a degree, it is yes, it is important because your CV gets shortlisted for other things. But to as a learning process, as a knowledge building process, this helps. So this is also something which I would help. And nowadays it's even more easier. You have some amazing courses available online. Many of them free also to imbibe knowledge. You know, so that is another thing which which helps. It makes sense. It was interesting. You also mentioned that, you know, how you moved from ENY to a client of yours, Coca-Cola, and then how a person that you were working with at Coca-Cola referred you to Metro. How then within Metro, you were then, you know, able to move with the work that you did to the Germany office, right? It was all sort of linked to the performance of, you know, your your current role that led the way to get the next role. I'm curious to know, how did you determine what is the right time to jump to the next role, to the next company? Because it all takes risk, right? Whenever you are getting into a new environment, it involves risk. What was sort of your mindset, maybe, you know, common thread across all of those decisions that you were making? So let's take even the jump from EY to Coca-Cola. EY was actually doing well and uh, mm. uh, thanks to the partners who supported me. Uh, but I realized what happened was I was part of Pune, which is a small unit. We were doing all different types of things, you know. So we were doing not not just not statute internal audit, we were doing due diligences, valuation, etc. But right. it was getting more specialized and Pune was getting more as an audit firm. I mm. didn't see myself as a pure auditor. So when Coca-Cola opportunity came, so it was asked. My partner was supportive and he went more. So basically, I took the decision because I felt I didn't have the temperament to be an auditor as such. No, so that's sure. how I took the decision. The move from Coca-Cola to Metro was slightly more tougher in the sense that everybody except my now wife said no. <laughs> because, you know, Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola. I mean, to be frank, it's it's the one of the best employers you can have in the world. You know, mm. it's, it's a fantastic, it's a brand name. Uh, and you people usually stick along there. So, sure. But I was realizing that if uh, I needed to move from a career growth perspective, I need to be in an organization which will allow me to do that. And the earlier I join, maybe the better. I mean, I'm not defensive, but mm -hmm. there were significantly more smarter people than me in Coca-Cola and finance team. Yeah. So, uh, one has to realize how each person is. Then uh, that's how I moved to um, Metro. In Within Metro, yes, the first the one to move to Germany was actually happened as such without me having taken. And it was a no-brainer because we are facing 
at that point of time some challenges with metro india to grow etc so we were sure knowing that for a few years it will be at a flat level and the move was great first opportunity cf for bulgaria was also good the decision to come back to india was also again a difficult one in the sense that right. i was doing pretty well being mm-hmm. in europe closer to the headquarters you are in the visible zone right yeah, so yeah. and my career was going fantastic but metro india again i was thinking i had the opportunity to finally do something back in india in the organization i created metro india when i in 2011 was still about 1400 crores it is not moving too much but then i think what we did is uh, the group got rajiv bakshi as the ceo normally you don't take from externally in metro as such ceos you take usually internally growth etc who had an fmcg background of pepsi cadbury's etc so right. i got excited let me make a try and we did a, i think reasonably good job because we moved for an offline business from 1400 crores to 6000 crores in 5 years wow. it was extreme amount of work so i took the opportunity that i said okay let me try to have the opportunity to build something and then i went then what happened is rajiv moved on and then i ha- i was not in line with what rajiv's boss thought about in business now it is a hmm. both a what works and what doesn't work you know so i got sure. i wanted to be very active in the business growth etc because i mean i was there right from the beginning right yeah, yeah. but my views were very different from my boss boss raji was moving out a new boss was supposed to come in so in the, in that context things were not i was not sure how it would move so right. i took the opportunity to do a startup uh, myself okay. in the sense that cm macro which is part of the cp group in thailand wanted to enter cash and carry business in india they somehow got Harsh Bahadur was the first CEO of Metro Cash and Carry as a consultant for them. Got it. And they were asking Harsh, we want to start this. How do we start it? We need somebody to lead the process, etc. Right. So he recommended my name, uh, and I said, okay. I have been with Metro a little bit of time. I was uh, at that point of time, say, 44 years old. I said, okay, if I want to take a risk, let me take now. And then I joined as the first employee. So me, there were only two of us, me and the other director. He is actually the grandson of the group founder. Hmm. Uh, we didn't have an office. We started with uh, Starbucks MGF Mall Gurgaon. So actually, true startup. <laughs> uh, so we incorporated the incorporation is in my name and Tanit's name uh, of uh, CM Macro. It's now known as Lots Wholesale in Delhi. Hmm. Uh, so I took that risk also. So like this decision was based on the fact that can I try to create something new? You know. Right. So there were risks involved, and um, it didn't work out uh, in that sense because uh, after the first three four months, I realized like I could have continued like an employment in CM Macro. Is a lifetime employment yeah. and very good people but their understanding of uh, indian market somehow got governed by uh, entry strategy which built up one of the by the top 3 uh, consultancies i don't mm. want to name them here sure. and it was all completely crazy it talked about able to get a 5 acre land in india completely clean in 3 months or a payback <laughs> period of large retail stores of 4 years etc then i saw i re- revised the projection because see you can keep good targets for your stiff targets for the team right. but you can't do your cash flow projections sure. on hope cash <laughs> yeah. flow projection has to be always be realistic mm. your kpis on which your performance is based can be as strict as possible yeah. so th- it was becoming the other way around here cash flow mm. projections so i i had a different and since we couldn't agree i was wondering what to do and i was on going to be on one of the trips to thailand then tcns called me you know <laughs> so i i that i took the decision now this was also another very change i have been 
23 years with multinationals. Right. TCNS is an Indian company. In, in apparel, uh, never been in an Indian company. But TCNS wanted to build up its process. They were asking me because uh, through some connects again we knew each other because I had scaled up businesses, set up processes, and eventually got an IP. I got very excited about it. Right. I thought, okay, let me. I have always been in an international company. I've I've handled investors in the sense that Metro at a group level, you need to consolidate. You need to be somebody. Be somebody yeah. who supports the CFO for answers, etc. So I got this opportunity. Then I took the decision. Okay, let me change track. Let me look at this. At that point of time, I had a couple of offers from large established organizations also. But mm-hmm. I said, let me do this. And I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I took that opportunity because then I got through the whole IPO process. You know. So now I make search consultants still do call, but that is and that is all more due because of the IPO experience. Uh, exactly. So setting up, scaling, etc. So these are the some of the some of the decisions which happen, which go through in the world. So all of them have been in my view what I thought best for that time. The last one has been more driven by personal one because at some point of time you need to see what is the environment around etc. Yeah. I had to move my parents to Bangalore there. My dad mm. is uh, going to be 80 now. They were staying wow. in a fantastic place by now but they were 7 hours away from me you know so right. an incident happened I couldn't reach them on time. Thankfully mm. there was a relative there. It was not they were wanting to move them to Bangalore where there was a support system. It couldn't happen so I decided I need to move to Bangalore and when I at this process one of the founders of uh, Dealshare Medda whom again I had worked with earlier uh, he he was calling me actually I was also giving him recommendations he had been asking me I was giving him recommendations of CFOs in Bangalore etc from my network somehow it didn't work out hmm. then he asked me why don't you only join <laughs> so that, that's how I moved so but this is more driven by personal need to come to back but other than that most of my thing has been to somebody I've known seen whether I can take risks that's a different choice try to evolve so I moved from a very steady organization which has global templates to, to organizations uh, which have you have to be quick on the feet you don't have the processes etc so it's been a nice interesting journey there very cool can you tell us a little about uh, deal share what it is uh, what do you guys do yeah so we are an online grocery player uh, this online grocery is the holy mecca of retail which nobody is yet cracked it globally mm-hmm. so it's it's very tough space to crack so vinita and meda had um, a concept of how to do online retail primarily vinita had the model Meda had the domain knowledge of retail, grocery, uh, etc. Mm. So these two uh, came together and that's how DealShare was uh, set up. See, there are multiple ways of doing online grocery. One of the key challenges has always been the unit economics, right. uh, how to make it work. So a few principles which DealShare follows by and that is, is our USP are the following. We are into value retail. So that means basically we are not into premium. We will mm-hmm. provide the best possible grocery basket. I mean, basically at the best price. That's the whole point. Now to achieve that, uh, we do a few things. Things. We are not into quick commerce. Our average delivery days is one and a half days. So basically what we do in our online business is that we consolidate orders, we accumulate them and then makes our last mile much more efficient. That's the whole key. That's the sure. premise. Second, what you did even for the last mile, instead of doing with the uh, then currently accepted processes of doing last mile, either outsource it completely uh, or build it up fully internal. Mm-hmm. We did a model called DealShare Dost and that has been proven to be an advantage for us. So we create micro entrepreneurs everywhere. So we do the first mile to their location or they come and pick up but they mm. know the respective area you know so they right. have their own people they can run these last men at a significantly better cost than most of us also it adds a bit of touch to the way we interact with customers see uh, most of us go to kirana stores because you have the personal touch with the shopkeeper right now because of the deal share those these are managing local delivery boys etc there could also be connects with the customers that way you know so the person Absolutely. knows whom they're interacting they can come back that's how the premise was so we started with it so basically 
value. Mm-hmm. Second is the Dircher Dost model. Third is very important is differentiated assortment. So mm-hmm. see, you need to have certain items in your basket, irrespective of whether you are giving to the lowest economic status or the highest. Like for example, Oreo biscuits. Everybody has in their basket. Everybody has Oreo biscuits. Right. Actually, Parleji glucose base is there in everybody's basket. You can't do sure. it. Sure. Oh, detergents, for example, Surf Excel, for a, for example, even the maids have it because mm. they say they might be having only say two good pieces of cloth amongst them, one for attending wedding and something else. Right. Those they will wash in Surf Excel, so they'll have a small <laughs> pouch which they will see. So some of these things are there. But excluding this, what we do is we focus on the categories which is consumed by the mass. So for example, I'll give you in if you are in uh, Mumbai area, so we don't sell Safola. It is not our premium target. Our largest selling oil are Gulab and Tirupati, which most people would not know. You know, yeah. which is not there. So these are the things. But it doesn't mean I will not keep fortune. I need fortune also. It's a journey. We are getting there in that sense. Certain things we've already established. So, for example, there's a bujia called Shriram Bujia. Right. Normally, you would buy the Bikanos, Haldirams, etc. But Shriram Bujia is growing fast. So, we want to create many more such brands, which we'll do. Plus, we've set up a fantastic uh, private label team. My colleague, Hemant, uh, heads that. And the speed at which we are turning around private labels is incredible. This hmm. this will help DealShare get the mix right and the margins uh, right. So, summary, online grocery player, value-based, differentiated supply. If you look at long-term, 5 times years down the line we have to be omnichannel we have to do offline especially in india without that it is not possible so we will work on that we will be doing a couple of pilots etc so basically overall grocery retail is what we want to begin very cool super interesting moving on uh Venkatesh, to the kind of the cfo role per se i'm sure you have seen you know not only different companies in sort of different businesses as well as you know both exposure to the india side of uh, the house as well as the europe how do you think about the role of the cfo if evolving over the last sort of 20 you know 30 years that you have been working has there been a change in perspective and how do you see it moving forward in the next five to ten years yeah, see, I would say that change has maybe already happened in the last couple of decades. Has there's been a significant shift? I would say post liberalization, etc. Mm-hmm. But it goes quite a long time back, and but that is true. Prior to that, basis, what I would speak to seniors, etc. Prior to that, it was a more a finance controllership job and a taxation related job. That right. is what the role would be. The fundamentals in terms of hygiene and compliance are still there, but it has been evolving to more towards in terms of business partnering. How does a CFO contribute? So earlier it would not be there. Uh, it would not be surprising to see a lot of top leadership meetings without the CFO even sure. because it was business discussion. So right. yeah, it was assumed that it is different. So it is not it is a bit strange, but that has happened. But now it is a lot to do with business partnering. A lot of investor relations interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, if you are a startup, the founders need to interact more than the CFO. Right. Know? But as you move towards becoming larger, you move after a certain series E, D, E round, the CFO has to interact quite a lot. As you go listing, you have to do all that. So there's a lot of significant invest- investor relations interaction. Uh, one very important thing which has happened in the last decade especially is the CFO's involvement in tech and uh, products mm. basically. See, while I consider it myself to be young of mind, <laughs> the fact is chronologically, I come from a situation where when I used to do audit in Tata Motors, that those days it was called Telco, mm. there was a team of 100 people who were just doing calculations. So, they, they, the team wow. was called Computronics. So, they would put pun, punch in, in the manual things and then they would take up the total and uh, do that thing. So, you know, this right. is before computers came in, you know, yeah, yeah. or they were just coming in. So, those are the things. So, we're moving from that and, and now tech is omnipresent. I mean, that is 
more than enabling us to talk uh, so clearly to each other now right? as fundamental as this. Sure. So these are some things which are done. And I would say in the last five, six years, it has even changed further. Basically, the focus of CFI has to be building healthy, sustainable businesses. And I'm not even talking startup based. Right. I'm talking any business. How do you make it sustainable? How do you make the business model sustainable? That is extremely important to uh, do that. You will see successful companies are ones who have the background and the base to sustain in terms of decades, right. not in years. So that is what CFOs have to aim towards. You know? So this is the key part. Building healthy, sustainable business is what a CFO's prime role should be. There are other things, of course, you need to make sure your governance compliance, your cash flow is okay. You are typically the conscience keeper as such. An external investor would somehow look to the CFO when you are at numbers. Not that the CEOs don't know the numbers. The CEOs, in fact, many times know the numbers are better than the CFOs you know, or the metrics. But you are supposed to be the conscience keeper. You know, So these are the things. Last but not the least, um, this CFO has to be a significantly important sounding board for the CEO or the founders. What happens is in the enthusiasm drive, the intensity which the CEO or the founders bring into the business and that is extremely necessary. There are some times when there is small course correction needed. Sometimes it might be major. Right. These, in these cases, CFO has to play a, an important role. You know, it may not be apparent. It might be small, small things, but those are critical. So these, these are some of the things which I would say in terms of what the role is and how it is. Very interesting. You mentioned sort of the technology aspect of uh, of the role where, you know, CFOs need to play a, an important role in making sure that the technology deployment advancement is happening. Can you give us some, maybe some tangible examples in terms of, uh, you know, how, how do you think about deployment of various technologies in, you know, the various uh, companies that uh, you have been at? Is there some framework that you use as well as how maybe COVID-19 has impacted that thought process? Because everything sort of went digital or, you know, sort of work from home became the mainstay. So how has that also uh, impacted your thought process around deploying technology? Yeah. So technology uh, from a finance point of view earlier, would be restricted to the accounting package or ERP packages. So right. even when you did ERP packages, let's take the two, three largest ones, whether it is SAP, Oracle or Microsoft Dynamics, mm -hmm. uh, would typically be restricted to the finance controlling modules, etc. Uh, these did give a significantly more robust platform compared to the tallies of the world, but it is still limited. What has happened and what I have been uh, fortunate to be part of is extending these things backwards and forwards in the sense of, for example, when you are in a retail organization how do you do your inventory management sure. that is extremely important what comes about in your financials is an output basically you know right it is not the input which comes in Typically in retail, most of your transactions, your uh, goods order management systems are not part of the ERP. It could be or could not be. But the CFO's role and focus has to be on ensuring that part is correct so mm. that the input into what the financials are, are important. So earlier it would happen, you have a good system and then you make sure that whatever is coming in there. But how do you know that that database is robust enough? How do you right. know what is generated in the IMS, OMS? Is it optimized? So the role has automatically expands quite a bit. You are directly deep into business because you are talking about how the engine which runs your business itself should be run you know so there is be quite a lot so this is where I did so let's take metro for example uh, the finance team I was not a CFO there but the finance team me and another colleague who incidentally is a CFO in another large company right now our focus was to get work on the goods management system to make sure, sure that is as efficient as possible for business so our job is to make sure that at, at that point of time was to make sure that you have developed a system which gives the right information for business to take calls right. you were not necessarily taking the call at that level but it is important to give the right business so if, if you are a buyer for example you need to have visibility of how an SKU has done what is the margin of that uh, one 
uh, what is in statistical margin, what is in later income, etc. So you need mm-hmm. to go deep into all this. What is the supplier performance? A lot of it may not come directly from that technology product itself, but you need to see how do you extract it and make it sit on top of a layer. I mentioned business objects sometime back. Right. That is one of the things which we did in Metro. So how do you compile that? Because there's a huge amount of volume of data, you know. So how do you make it simple? That is where technology is. You cannot do it on Excel spreadsheets only. Excel is critical, but you cannot do it on this. So this is what I mean by technology. How do you make the process simple? How do you make sure on the ground you have scanning? I mean, we had scanners 20 years back. Now it seems commonplace to yeah. do with a mobile. Those days it was not common, you know. Sure. So how do you do that? Automated payments were not there for mm. vendors. How do you get that thing that? So the first thing when we were speaking to suppliers were they when the buyers were approaching the vendors, they were first of all not used to modern trade. We said we will pay on time. Give us the best rates. We don't know how it will come. But after they saw in the first three to six months that basis the due date, the payment would automatically come out. I mean, it was a completely different experience for them. You know, we had people following up with us earlier, ki payment hai ho and they would be irritated in the beginning when my team would not respond in that sense. You know, because you know it will go automatically. Right. But these are now fundamental. But those days it was path change. So you need to look at the whole end-to-end chain. So this is what we, for example, we did it in uh, Metro. Then even in Metro, so for example, we were in Metro Bulgaria. So I again volunteered mm. to be the first in something called common template SAP implementation, which went to the P2P process. Sure. That is, you get all your POs, everything integrated, you know, including for non-trade items. You know, that right. made things so systematically. Uh, in the beginning, of course, there was difficulty. There's always an additional effort involved. But subsequently, the process became seamless and mm. it was digital. And this is long before. I'm talking 2009 sure. so it digital or for example exchange of invoices what would happen is earlier you always have this three-way match right between a purchase yeah. order grn and an invoice what we did there was in those days it was edi apis mm-hmm. and all are now new yeah. electronic data interchange so we went from a manual process to an edi related vendor invoice and submission of 80 percent in six months so you know at one stroke what you have done is you have cleaned up a huge amount of time spent on inputting of invoices checking Correct. those invoices etc no? now what happens is the data comes in so you focus on the quality part so yeah. what that helps is you have the same people for volume x and volume 4x also because they are now doing only the checking part you know and that quality of data is is, is maintained so we had this sure. in 2009 and 10 you know so these are certain things which help so basically what i'm saying is when you talk tech you need to do end to end or let's say much later in tcns when we are talking about end to end so we had mm. a chain of um, retail stores physical retail stores across what would happen is there are a lot of good uh, pos systems across the country i mean right. there are multiple products available so all the sales would happen on that then at the day end or actually on the month end uska collection reached, the total summary used to come and then you pose a consolidated rate but then your visibility also for system you are looking for data you are looking at another system this is separate. so we did microsoft dynamics because for this particular application microsoft dynamics help better because it is at a, from a crm perspective post perspective is right. superior to the other two so we did that now what happened is automatically all the information which is available on the pass is controlled centrally. You mm. can have much better database management. It is not that ki suddenly in five stores something is happening, another ten stores something right. is happening. You have all the data coming on a daily basis. It says. So this O2C, order to cash, reconciliation is happening daily basis yeah. and automated. Now suddenly again, the team is focused on quality rather than trying to send Excel files to somebody poor fellow in uh, in a store in Gawati and asking a QNA match for record. <laughs> now everybody has visibility to the same things. You know? So you talk about end to end. So it, it helps. Or again in TCNS. So we we, we were manufacturers, so for in the sense that we designed everything, we procured the right amount of it. It is a complex system, it has to be institutionalized. How do you sub- give fabrics? 
input the quantity as 500 right. but for dresses we didn't want to do that we didn't want to scan at every article level just to make sure so what we did we got the supplier to do it for himself hmm. so supplier upload same thing at my end I am getting everything at an SKU level automated supplier is also clear because he scanned this he knows what is what he has given us the data Correct. so I say that he is psychologically very comfortable even if he had trust in our processes right. so extend this technology part end to end helps quite a lot you know so these are uh, a few things you have to do also it depends on the maturity of the organization hmm. how we do it, you do it step by step. Deal share, we are still not where I would like us to be, but I would now rather focus on making sure that the base is set. So right. we were also in tally, and I don't think it makes sense to go to a larger ERP very early also. Hmm. So we were in tally, now we move to uh, SAP B1, which is still a smaller version of the SAP right. uh, part. Now I'll make sure that is uh, right now stabilized, get this base correct. Then we will extend it on both sides. So it depends. How do you move? In a place like Metro, you always have to think ahead because it's already a mature organization. Sure. Place like TCNS, cash generating, already in business, think four steps ahead. Right. Best is Ecom Express actually. We have 60,000 employees on the ground yeah. uh, running, uh, delivering people. And we have to reimburse their fuel because they're all on our roles. Yeah. It used to be manual. Just imagine 60,000 people <laughs> putting in. Uh, and we are at 3,000 delivery points across the country. They are putting in uh, numbers. Everybody is putting in Excel. Somebody at the uh, city level and state level is checking then it goes to the regional controller then somebody is checking <laughs> all that stuff so what we did and uh, our, the technology team they did a fantastic thing so we did everything ma map through the app itself so what we would do is mm. it's like how Zomato what happens is it's easy Zomato or Swiggy they have point to point so it's easier to calculate distance sure when you are in Ecom Express etc you are delivering volumes may not exactly be point to point because you will need to change the route etc but we did tracking so all the 60,000 people they would in their mobiles you would track automatically kilometers would get deducted and the fuel calculation that so what earlier was a massive exercise became automated next day morning everybody has the numbers and it removes a lot of friction the team is not worried whether they will get their reimbursement or not etc for on ground people this matters quite a lot i Absolutely. mean getting that fuel reimbursement of 5000 rupees per month is quite critical you no know, so these are the things which get automated we did p2p also that is also in process there while we couldn't go like a metro where the supplier would do edi we're mm. doing with a process where you scan the invoice through ocr it's a 75 to 80 percent success rate doesn't right. matter sure. so, you know, so the technology covers a wider spectrum it's not just about accounting and of course at the final end is you need to have data lakes you need to yeah. uh, get into data science all that. that 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 is something you need to do data science they are specialists i am not sure of how whether if finance person would be able to uh, right. get that skill set to do it but finance plays a very important role in making sure that as especially as the CEO to make sure that is in place. So these are some examples. Sorry, I could go on and on and on about the yeah, this is, technology this is, part. But yeah, uh, quite interesting. The, the question that I want to ask here is historically anything related to revenue generation, right? It's easier to get budgets for those kind of technologies, whether you think about sales, marketing. Most people, right, even now at times, they may think of finance as a cost center, right? How was it for you to go and ask for budgets for technology deployments within the finance department? It's always been difficult and across organizations have always faced this challenge. Mm -hmm. It is the job of the CFO even at an early stage to communicate the importance of hygiene. When we look at all this, 
Paul Brunter told you a lot of it is basic hygiene itself. Yeah. Investment yeah. has to go towards that itself. It is the job of the CFO to keep communicating. The CFO needs to use the board also effectively in these things mm. because the board usually has a wider experience of seeing across organizations and they usually understand faster. So it depends right. on how the CFO manages this. Uh, so yeah, and so it's good to have joint discussions because mm. it is investments. Let's put it. Yeah, there's no absolutely. direct uh, investment, and it is also slightly difficult to calculate ROI. Uh, I've also been trying to figure out how to calculate ROIs in this. You you do. You make some assumptions, etc. You know? yeah, for yeah. a WMS, you say my efficiency will improve, my shrinkage will reduce, etc. And then you do that. But for other things, it, it becomes slightly difficult. Especially right. in India where manpower is still relatively Relative. affordable at the junior level. You know, yeah. at the data entry level. So, it, it is a constant journey. I would say I don't have the, a magic pill for that right now. But I would say I am uh, stubborn and persistent as hell uh, <laughs> in following up and, and doing the allocation. I think what also helps is doing it in advance. Right. So I have made mistakes a couple of times, suddenly in the middle of the year saying we need to see how to allocate this fund. It is always easier to do it earlier during the overall annual operating plan or budget phase. Right. You say for the next year, this is what I plan. You know, then yeah. it doesn't come as a surprise. Then it is it is locked on. So I would recommend that it involves some time to think of what might be needed in the next year or so. Right. It is difficult. It is challenging. I also used my peer network to get inputs about what works, what not works, what is the approximate costs of certain things. Sure. Et so it has to be a consistent effort, but I would strongly recommend that doing it early at an annual budgeting phase itself helps. Perfect. You know, in your question around evolution of uh, the, the CFO role, you also mentioned kind of CFOs need to be a sounding board to the CEOs, you know, co-founders and so on. I want to hear from you. How do you think about the relationship between the CEO or, you know, founders and the CFOs? And, uh, you know, are there any specific things that you do to continue to foster that? Yeah, see, the relationship of the CEO or the founders with the top leadership, any member of the top leadership is extremely important, whether it's CFO, whether it's CFO, CHRO, whether the COO, CBO, right. CMO, CIO, etc., whatever it is, is extremely important. But the relationship with the CFO has certain additional nuances to be taken care of. Hmm. See, no, no, everybody would hope that the organization at some point of time is large enough growth, whether private or public large, you know. In these cases, especially the CFO has an additional responsibility because he has a responsibility to the shareholders also. Sure. So in the in in that case, it is slightly more critical that the relationship between CEO and CFO it's relatively healthy. It is mm -hmm. not necessary to have the same views and opinions. Most of the organizations where I have been in, uh, I have had in certain topics very different views uh, right. on certain things. You know, but the point is to be able to logically put forward these arguments or discussion points. The one thing which is especially critical from a CEO CFO relationship or the founder CFO relationship is the ability to discuss points without worrying about whether one is right or wrong hmm. and this environment has to be cultivated right from the beginning right. of a relationship. I don't think it is sustainable for the organization and the individuals concerned to not be in this situation. Frankly speaking, if a CEO and CFO don't get along well, it is better that the CFO looks for other opportunities. It's uh, more likely that the CFO is replaced rather than CEO. I'm just saying a very practical yeah. uh, situation. So it's very important to establish this trust at the beginning of a relationship. And then it has to continue from there. It is also very important for the CFO right from the beginning to stick to his or her views. Mm, because the CFO is coming from also typically 
even how her business oriented it is it is her her duty to look at the framework of compliance governance etc not that the ceo doesn't look at it but the yeah. cfo has had much more time to consider all aspects of this. so it needs to be very pretty firm on these things and this is where usually stress points occur you know a cfo might say ki this we should not do because it might be so and so issue so and so issue cs is nahi nahi ye dhande ke liye yahi zyada karna hai and all that stuff you know so there the cfo has to take a call depending on what her, she or he feels like so this boundaries there but basically without this relationship having a platform of ability to discuss at least i don't think it will work makes sense let's get into a little bit of hypothetical here let's assume this is my first day as a cfo of a company what would be your advice on my first 100 days plan what should i focus on and sort of you know, to be able to build a solid foundation for the years to come yeah so i think setting a tone impression is important whether one is the cfo or a entry level fresher mm. so that's why this when it's 100 or whether it's 20 or it is right. month, that's the bit <laughs> but the fact is one needs to set a tone what is worked for me i can share it might be different for other people yeah what i try to do at the beginning of the different organizations i have been is to meet as many stakeholders as possible right up front especially on ground uh, you know go deep into the business and deep is you don't need a three month study you need to be one week in the field you will know much more than you will ever know in a year sitting inside the office yeah. you need to be on, on on the ground understanding the business so one of the first things for example whether it is in deal share is go to the warehouse see the warehouse operations be there at the night go on the route with the delivery boy right. understand what the business because that's your output yeah. right all the things what you do is going towards that speak to customers extremely important all these things and it's not you spend years and years on it yeah. what one week is more than enough you know so that is important be at the warehouse speak to different people so all that especially your team of course be as visible as uh, possible so this at the beginning uh, helps you get an understanding now this needs to be especially combined with the cfo's evaluating his or her team hmm. now i think this is also general not just for finance one needs to be comfortable with the team one has now the reality uh, is that things get delivered as it especially in my case uh, there are certain things which i don't have expertise on my team members even now are better than me sure uh, my finance controller is better than me in the accounting part tax yeah. to i don't have much clue i go to this experts my current uh, person who heads tax is significantly superior so you need to have an idea about these things what the your team strength is and you need to change i'll give you an interesting thing in metro bulgaria so there were five or six people who were reporting to me out of the five or six after three months there was only one person who continued she was outstanding she was simply outstanding was the finance controller everybody else i had to change it is a bit challenging somebody from asia going to europe in a new role and changing but that helped then that team was and then continued to be considered as one of the best in the metro group overall so you need that team at least i am very clear on that yeah. if i don't have a strong enough team either i change or you get additional one so these are the first few things which i'll do and the one advantage as a new cfo or any leader one has is you have the freedom to express different views and it's a reality one year down the line it is slightly more difficult to be objective at yeah. the beginning you are still fresh as long as one doesn't get carried away with saying are main udhar ye karta tha wo karta tha that right. may not have been the best but you have a fresh view you look at it it's better so don't not keeping holy cows in the beginning of of your tenure helps so these are a few things which i try to do. very cool you know it's no surprise that uh, the role of the cfo is quite demanding and uh, also perhaps quite draining at times curious to know sort of what motivates you to keep going 
So two things. First is in terms of how do I sustain, and uh, second thing is in terms of what is the inspiration or motivation. Let me sure. take the second thing first. Mm-hmm. I have been uh, fortunate right from my school days to have the company of people who have been simply brilliant. So in school there were people who would be phenomenal in academics, hmm. but still maintain other interests. There were uh, people who are fantastic. I mean, they are now doctors, founders, etc. Who are superb in sports. Right. Now, I I just had to look at them and see how do they manage all these things. <laughs> uh, what are the tips they can have? So I try to learn from them in terms of uh, how they do things. So basically, as inspiration rather. as role models i right. try to use my peers itself as ro- role models i have had uh, ceos who been completely amazing very different type of people but yeah. fantastic in dif- different thing when i went to the group i had uh, daphne as my boss uh, she was incredible it was like she had multiple computers in her mind able to process information you know so you learn from that very objective right. look at data uh, etc i have people like rajiv who knew the fmcg market he would operate out of gut many times basis is hmm. experience now these are certain things you learn from i had emilian in bulgaria was a fantastic people manager i have uh, anant in tcns who is all these things put together possibly one of the best <laughs> bosses ever you know so i had manoj in uh, metro who was the first cfo who was the most fearless leader i have seen he has the most innovative leader i have seen now when i can see these people do a lot of things i try to push myself to see can i do at least part of what these guys do personally also i have two role models both my grandmothers one is now approaching 99 she will be 99 in wow. couple of months the other is 96 the way the approach life is fantastic they are very different personalities hmm. but amazing Uh, the way they look at things so i i continued i mean though they are the, my main role models my grandmothers i look at them and then i say okay what else do you need i mean at the age of 96 yeah. and 99 <laughs> they are doing this so these are how it uh, keeps me motivated i try to look at people who done quite well all the founders in the startups whether it is ecom or deal share i mean they've uh, let go of very comfortable lives yeah. to take on these challenges with no guarantee of success we still don't know how long how success sustainable how this and we all aim to be at the long term but they have taken it so you know so these are some things which helps to the first point which uh, this was the second point which uh, first one is you need to continue this to sustain right. this now here is where each person has to have his own uh, principles of how to lead life Yeah. Uh, then only you will be able to manage i have certain priorities in life it is very clear for me first is my family i have always been in a nuclear family while my parents etc is me me my wife and uh, last 16 years our son uh, very clear that is priority over everything else health actually i would actually have put health then family then third is uh, i have a significant interest in sports trekking and motorcycling mm-hmm. and then comes everything else so i don't go for mo- i mean it, it might sound extreme but i typically don't go out for movies most of the evening parties i find out some innovative excuse <laughs> or something to avoid i need my 7 8 hours of sleep but if i have to spend time on work then right. health then family and then my other hobbies i don't have time for the other so i have to make a choice i don't do the others I do. I watch movies 15 years after they have been released. After everybody says it's okay, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. I make an exception for Marvel movies because I have to go to those with my son. You know, uh, so these are so basically what this does is helps me keep a balance, keep my life on a, a certain path. And very important to have the right people uh, around me. I was again lucky enough with uh, uh, my spouse being there for me. She's mm-hmm. a fantastic human being, so that helps stabilizes sometimes my crazy thoughts. So that that helps. So. very important to have a support system whether it is spouse whether it is parents whether it is friends etc it's very it's very important so then that that helps you sustain i don't think my 
say that my energy levels typically in most organizations it is at the highest when compared to a lot of people that's because right. i'm able to balance these things. very cool very interesting what are your top three priorities from an organizational standpoint 2023 what are maybe some of the key initiatives that you are looking to execute so when you look at the top three four ones uh, there are a few things which are very specific in deal share and I need to make sure those are done in 2023. From a pure finance perspective, I would say the ERP stabilization. Mm -hmm. So we've gone live on um, SAP B1 now to make sure that uh, that stabilizes. Like I told you, there is uh, quite a lot of interaction with the inventory management system, etc. So as an yeah. uh, overall piece, things have to work and that is extremely critical. That will be foundation. Even if I upgrade to a higher version later, this is key. This will yeah. prove that we can do things. So that is extremely important uh, as an organization. Second is in this journey, uh, journey towards an I IPO, etc. Eventually, uh, what happens is this is governed by strong framework, which also includes things like your a robust IFC checklist, a robust internal audit system, etc. Mm -hmm. We just started on this journey. You know, your statute product, you can still get your accounts finalized, but a lot of yeah. these things are important as a structural process because it's about developing the culture of what finance should stand for. So this would be the second most. And we have a long, long way to go. We have to put in policies, etc. I'm also, for example, I'm working with our tech team to put the IT policies in place. Right. Now, I don't want a tick mark. I want it to be practical and it sure. will be implemented. So this is the second one which I would say. I would say the most important one is not even the finance part, but it is fine-tuning the basic PMF itself for us. Hmm. Like I'd say, I mean, online grocery nobody's cracked it so we we are also experimenting we do a lot of experimentation so as part of the leadership team my uh, my personal time uh, maximum time will go into this to supporting driving business fine-tuning see which locations work which locations don't work which assortments work which don't work what to what can i do in terms of support processes to make sure what analytics can we provide what is the cash flow statement what needs what what is the ROI? so this and the what i would say is confidence building of the pm MF internally itself. Investors is different thing that will come about. Yeah. So this is going to be the big one. Is that specific type of industry? I would not have mentioned this if I was in Metro, but here we are a startup yeah. trying to get the business, uh, more modifying the business, etc., etc. So this would be the most important. Very cool. I think last question before we move into the lightning round. Are you hiring for any roles currently? And uh, what kind of qualities do you look for in individuals while hiring? So we are not getting into any new roles as such. We have a couple of hires because of replacement. And the good part is uh, two people are leaving to start uh, entrepreneurial journeys of their own. I wow. actually admire them. Very good guys. So basically in the hiring space or when I want to hire, I have to keep in mind that we are a startup. I need to have people who can build processes and work in uncertain situations. It should not be that every solution they have to refer to an SOP or a manual and do it. SOPs and manuals are very important long term. That is what will work. Yeah. But at this point of time, I need people who will be able to be flexible and work things. So this is what I look at. So when we get CVs and we've recruited a few people, it I am not so worried if they have always been in an ITC or an LNT, which has got this thing. I'm more interested in seeing whether the person has the mindset to make the change. So here, of course, the interview process makes a big difference here because that is where you try to gauge whether the person will be able to adapt or not. Second is the type of projects they can work on and the references, what they tell. See, typically references will be positive, but uh, if it's a credible person, that person will also give the pluses and minuses, both of the uh, people whom we are joining. Exactly. Yeah. So 
this is uh, important the flexibility to do this third is typically not having a bias but typically i would look at the lower end of an experience spectrum mm. currently because that gives an opportunity for the person not to be biased with previous thinking right. and also gives the person an opportunity to grow i look at myself i grew because i joined metro at a relatively young age you know mm-hmm. that helped me grow and organization was a relatively younger stage right so these are certain things which i uh, look at basically it has to be the mindset to be extremely flexible very cool very interesting take you know we can continue to chat about these things but constrained on time for sure so i want to move now to a lightning round i'm going to ask very simple questions and uh, all i need is uh, immediate responses from you you all set okay okay all right we'll start with uh, sweet or savory savory books or podcasts podcasts thinker or doer doer linkedin or twitter linkedin scotch or vodka neither neither huh? what's your guilty pleasure so i don't like the taste of alcohol okay. i drink to keep company somehow i never liked it uh, you know but i did uh, the one thing which is which is neither is this a glass of red wine if available good red wine is right. uh, pretty okay for me sure money or happiness happiness car or bike i guess this is bike. a simple one mountains or beaches okay let me take mountains okay <laughs> growth or profitability profitability cricket or soccer soccer by the way i don't watch cricket so i don't watch uh, it takes a lot of time uh, <laughs> so i don't watch cricket efficiency is the key huh what is your one hidden talent i am i'm actually a very good uh, sportsman I don't I'm not sure whether it's hidden to people who know me sure uh, but I'm a very good uh, sportsman this corporate life and all came because uh, in India a uh, making a reasonable career in sports is not uh, worthwhile other than that I don't have any talents my wife uh, averages <laughs> me out on that so she's very talented so our average is pretty okay all right cool what, what do you play often typically soccer all right ideal place to retire Pune what is top of your bucket list right now I have two actually okay Uh, one is a bike ride which might happen in the balkans and mm. second is a trek to odenskol i'm figuring out which which fits my schedule all right pretty cool and the last one vegetation describe yourself in three words energetic passionate persistent very cool well thanks thanks so much for your time this has been an amazing show really liked uh, speaking with you and hope to see you again sometime Oh, Rohit, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Perfect. Thanks a lot. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you'll find at least one nugget that is beneficial to you. As always, thanks for listening to Strategy of Finance. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple or Google Podcasts. Your comments will make us better. And be sure to tune in next week for another engaging conversation. Until then this is Rohit Agarwal and remember to learn grow and inspire